We're the ones on the run. We're the guys with the diamond dolls. Diamond dolls, it's a rabbit and it's fun. And the ceiling is very tall. What's going on, y'all? It's the Review a New Podcast. I'm your host, DJ. I'm your host, Evan. And this is the podcast where we look back at movies and appraise, you know, usually the filmographies of mofos. But today we got a special request from, oh my goodness, I forgot to <laughs> look where it is. Hold on. Is it Professor Wootsie again? Don't say it. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Goatman. Dr. Goatman? Yeah, that's who it is. Is he a doctor yes. or a professor? I forgot his title. No, Dr. Goatman. Rabbi Goatman. Once again. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad he forgave us for being so mad about Annette. Maybe he was mad about Annette. I don't know. I requested. Okay, I'm going to plug one more random person. I'm sorry I'm addicted to it now. So there's this vocal coach on YouTube named Hannah Bales, I think is how you say it. She's like your vocal coach on youtube uh, and i i literally she does reaction videos and i sent her a thing i was like please please react to annette it's so terrible please react to it so uh, i can see because uh, 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 the singing's bad too so i know she's gonna be like cringing the whole time if she yeah, doesn't yeah, yeah, yeah. um so thank you for either forgiving us or continuing to support us professor goatman yes dr, dr. Goatman, Go- rabbi goatman <laughs> rabbi vole before we get started, though, I wanted to bring up real quick because, you know, I'm keeping uh, I got a campaign going to try to, you know, what I'm saying help you help me continue doing this thing we doing here and and like up it and make it cooler and bigger, better. You know, uh, yeah, if you head over to patreon.com slash rap critic and become a two dollar per uh a two dollar patron you can uh help me reach my goal of 1500 and if we get up there and we're already over a third of the way there like it's like 600 or something already so if we could just like you know get it all the way there 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 uh then i'll be able to like uh to go more in depth in my videos and stuff like that you know really take my time to craft them and also like be able to hire some folks that like get me to like you know keep things percolating and popping and upgrade the quality and stuff like that in the way that I'm trying to do, you know? Um, and also in exchange for the, uh, becoming part of the $2 uh, patrons, you uh, you get episodes early. You get to vote for what I'll review next. Uh, we're going to have movie and game nights on the Discord. So, you know, you got access to that. Uh, you also get access to the exclusive episodes of the going off. I mean, uh, <laughs> going off. Uh, the review a new podcast, uh, my movie podcast, uh, and access to some of the songs that I've been working on. Ooh, some of the demos are up there really on Patreon. So, you know, get with it, act like you want it uh, at the $2 level or the $5 level where we'll do a bi-monthly Q&A sessions with RC on Discord uh, where you guys get to ask me all your questions and questions because uh, I know I know mofos out there have them. Uh, I'll be seeing y'all comments. I'll read y'all comments. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, now, but now that we got that out of the way, uh, just to double back and have, maybe have a professional take where I say it right, join me on patreon.com slash rapcritic where you get to uh if you join the two dollar level and help me reach my fifteen hundred dollar goal you know i'll be able to do more complex stuff and you know you get all those fun things that i mentioned earlier so yeah get with it act like you want it and now let's get on with the show i did you enjoy that song i was singing there Wait, did you know song, what it was from? Which, wait, do it again? Do it again. <laughs> oh, the... We're the runs on the run. We're the guys with the diamond dolls. I thought... Diamond dolls. I don't think I know that one. I don't know that. Uh, have you seen the Chipmunks movie from 1987? The Chipmunk no. Adventure? No. <laughs> Holy shit. 
Wow, that is, that is a deep cut right there. Right? Oh my god, I used to watch that shit so much. I was into the chipmunks. I watched the fucking chipmunk shit. It's the weirdest thing about me. <laughs> like, but yeah, I used to watch the chipmunk adventure movie. And one of the songs on there that was a fucking absolute bop was the Diamond Dolls song. Huh. <laughs> and it was a now song. I'm gonna have to watch the chipmunk movie. Yeah, you, 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 this is from um, 1987. You said, yeah. You know, you can watch it with you can watch it with uh, your kids. So yeah, that actually is a pretty good idea. You know, it's a pretty fun. Uh, you know, distraction. You know what I'm saying for the kids. Or what do you lovely folks want to request it? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Oh man. Um, but yeah, it, 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 there was a uh, there's a song in there that was like I always thought was like a fucking absolute bop. The diamond uh, the diamond doll song. <laughs> and it was just like yo, this song fucking slaps. And it t- come to find out, it was supposed to be in some other movie. Uh, who's that girl who did the Earth Girls Are Easy song? Oh, Julie Brown. Yeah, I love her. No, yeah. she's like she's in Earth Girls Are Easy too. Like I think that the I think the movie was based on her song, actually. Have we yeah. done Okay, this is one of those things. Okay, do we do we, you we have do like a catalog music. somewhere of every episode we've done? Because I literally can't remember if we've done Earth <laughs> Girls Are Easy or not. No way we have. There's no way we have. Okay. <laughs> if somebody wanted to request that, that would be a fun movie. That's a fun movie. But like it's it's getting to the point that I cannot remember. I'm like, have we done that movie or did we just talk about it or whatever? Uh, we so we like, need hair. <laughs> do, you, do you have a catalog? Do you have, uh, like, a list or, like, of all the episodes? I'm, well, I'm sure someone other does. Honestly, though, the, like, the way we do these episodes, if we, like, did a movie and then we had already done it, like, two years ago, it would probably be a completely different episode. Yeah, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Um, so, you, so you're singing about the uh, the diamond Furby necklaces. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I was thinking of, like, oh, yeah, diamonds. Um, and, um... Yeah, today's movie, which is the Safdie Brothers uh, Uncut Gems starring Adam Sandler, the the man with uh, usually a very annoying voice in, in, you know, one of his movies, right? Where it's just like, I'm the water boy or I'm the pool boy. Yeah, he's just playing a guy in this. He's not doing yeah. his his stick. He's not, you know, he's just, like, he's just a guy. Like, he has a bit of a sort of, like, he's, you know, affected thing, but it's not like, it just feels like, you know, the, that's just a character. The like, character yeah. is slightly ridiculous, but he's, like, ridiculous in a way that you would believably be like, oh, yeah, I would meet a guy that I would be yeah, like, oh, yeah, His voice sounds like a more calmed down. You ever watch Mad TV? The, the one guy who's like, hey, Shelly, come on, Shelly, come on. <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't know, maybe, but, yeah, but he's not, like, he's not playing. It's a Michael McDonald like character. Like an Adam Sandler <laughs> sticky sketch character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's not like he doesn't like, yeah, no, you're in that way. This is like a straight like role with a little bit of a, you know, s- silliness to it because it's him. But like, it's not like in your face like that. No, like. This yeah. Is a- so I want to <laughs> say first and foremost, because there was a, a somewhat of a controversy around this movie and people saying it's anti-Semitic. Uh-huh. It traffics uh-huh. in anti-Semitic stereotypes. Right now, first and foremost, I am not gonna be that jew who's like well i don't think it's anti-semitic so anybody else can just shut the fuck up and and you can just be like well i heard some jews say that it's not anti-semitic okay so this is not that how i on it on policy i'm never gonna tell another jew unless i think they're being like really freaking ridiculous with a take i'm not gonna tell another jew who's bothered by something or feels like something is anti-semitic or bothers them in that way i'm never gonna tell them like oh you're being too sensitive shut up right that said for me personally i did not see this movie as being like as being that because 
and and I think that where people were coming from, and maybe I'm I'm misreading, but I think where I think people were coming from was this idea of like, well, you know, the main character is Jewish, and he's you know he's greedy, he's a jeweler, yeah. and he's greedy, and he wants money, and blah blah blah. But here's the thing: so the, the Jew as a jeweler is not so much a stereotype as a Jew in finances, and the fact is like. Syrian Jews. This movie is by Syrian Jews about Syrian Jews. It is about a very specific subculture in New York in the Diamond District. So they're writing from experience and from personal observation of people they know, of their families. And you know, and Syrian Jews owning a lot of businesses in the Diamond District, like that's not a stereotype, that's just a a, a fact. Yeah, um, yeah, it, and yeah. the other thing is in terms of Howard, the main character played by Adam Sandler, in terms of Howard's greediness, to me, the the stereotype, the anti-Semitic stereotype of a greedy Jew is like the cunning, you know, cunning, right. like Shylock, going to like, you know, manipulate you and, and trick you out of money and blah, 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 and being skin flinty and penny pinching. And that's yeah, that, Howie, that's the that's the word. Howie, yeah, yeah. Howie, I said this, I said, Howie is greedy the way a monkey is greedy. Like, <laughs> Howie, Howie is like, oh, shiny. Oh, like he's a gambling addict. Right. The way, uh, yeah, like he, the way it's, uh, it, oh, I, I'm sorry, sorry. I feel like no, I'm but a, Yeah, uh, but it's like yeah. He's, a, he's an impulsive gambling addict. He's self-destructive. Yeah. And he and he's not he doesn't seem very smart. Like he's he has right. like yeah. he, he's, he's not, not like cunning. He's right. just kind of making you know, so take advantage like, of the moment. He's definitely a very flawed person and he's greedy, but he's not greedy in the way that to me is like a stereotype that is used against Jews a lot. So I you know, and and the other thing is like, look, we never like, you know, being in tiny, tiny, tiny minority, there's fifteen million Jews in the entire world. Right. And when you're a tiny minority, you never like to see any bad representation. You know, you never right. like every time some motherfucker comes out and they did something awful and then their last name is, you know, like <laughs> is Weinstein or Epstein. It's like, oh, God damn it. You know, so again, I'm never going to tell unless they're just coming out of complete left field. I'm not going to tell another Jew who's bothered by this movie or feels like it's bad for the Jews or whatever. I'm not going to tell them, like, shut up, you're too sensitive or whatever. But I will say for me, I enjoyed this movie, and I don't think that, you know, to me it was coming from these the Safdie brothers telling a story about people they know, you know? Right. Um, and, and as I said, also, like, this is the movie that made me forgive uh, Adam Sandler for Eight Crazy Nights because and, and again, like with respect for the fact that Eight Crazy Nights came out in like 2004 or whatever. And 2002. Like, <laughs> right. And it was a different time. But like Eight Crazy Nights is a Christmas movie with a blue and white paint slapped on. Right. It. Whereas. Yeah. Um, oh, I don't know if we've said this on the podcast, but yeah, your boy Evan has gone off. <laughs> but but here's the thing. But. Uncut Gems is the most unapologetically Jewish movie that I have ever seen that wasn't like niche or wasn't or like on the you don't mess with the Johan or yeah, whatever or like, the heck that movie was. Right. But like it's so unapologetically Jewish. I loved like this is there's a scene where there's a Seder, there's a Passover Seder yes. and, and Howard and his father-in-law and brothers-in-law and brothers are sitting um I was sitting in this room, smoking cigars, watching the game, talking. And then all of a sudden, all the little kids run in at once. And the father-in-law grandpa says, don't look at me. You can find it yourself or something like that. And if you're <laughs> Jewish, you know exactly what is happening right, right. then. And, and it, the only reason I knew was because I, 
bones hanging with you. <laughs> right. And if you, yeah. And so if you've never been to a Passover Seder or even if you like maybe you went to one once or whatever, you may not know what's going on and they don't feel the need to explain that or telegraph what's yeah. happening. Um, I don't <clears> think they even say the word afikomen or anything. And so it's like it's it's nice to just it feels really good to see. And, you know, and I use the term like. Like, this is not my culture. These are Syrian Jews in New York. This is a very specific... Um, the uh, Isaac Mizrahi, the fashion designer, did an interview a while back on some podcast. Unfortunately, I don't remember which one. But he's he's Syrian Jew, and he was talking about his family in New York. It's a very, very different culture that is different from other Jewish groups in, in America. For example, uh, just it's, it's more... And I'm just going based on, you know, like what I have heard from people from that community, that it's, it's more insular. It's a little bit more like, you know, you, your kid, you, your kid. And, and I'm not going to say this yet. Cause it's like a spoiler, but your kid, not only better marry a Jew, they better marry a Syrian Jew, which, which kind mm-hmm. of comes up sideways in the movie. But, um, so I, so I don't claim to speak from this community specifically, but, but I will say just it's nice to see like Jewishness depicted in a way that isn't sort of cheating out towards a Gentile audience and saying, it's just oh, like normalizing these it, are yeah. what these are Shabbat candles. Let's kind of mm. explain to the audience what they are. You know, it's it's just mm. showing this family. Um so that's that's all my uh, interest uh, stuff. <laughs> I, I, I will say, I will say that like mm, I ain't totally even giving this motherfucker point. <laughs> you did what? But I, I said I don't. I don't personally totally forgive this motherfucker off all the whack shit he made. But <laughs> I, <laughs> I do think that this is a really good movie. However, like it wasn't so complex and dynamic of a performance that like. It felt like, like, I thought going into this movie, I was prepared with how it was getting hyped up. I was going to be like, God damn it. He's going to show me that he's such a good fucking performer and, and so much complexity in the motion. Like, I'm not going to have a choice. But then when I went into it, it was just like, well, nah, well it was all like relatively it's not a like. It's uh, uh, acting uh, performance. Yeah, it yeah, is, yeah. It's a good, it's a solid it's performance that really works. It's making really good yeah. use of him. It's making. Yes, it's yes. It's really good casting. It's kind of like, um, I'm going to say. I'm going to say younger Keanu Reeves because I feel like Keanu Reeves has grown a lot as an actor in the last few decades. Like, <laughs> you know, Keanu Reeves, especially in his younger days, had that kind of like dopey, oh, what's going on thing. Yeah, and in yeah. The Matrix, he, the Wachowski sisters used him perfectly by they were like, you know, we're going to put this guy who kind of has this, well, what's going on? In, uh-huh. in a character where he's going, oh, what's going on? You know, it's and I knowing feel like, how to use him, yeah. Right, and I feel like in a similar way, like I feel like the Softy brothers, his siblings are good at casting, I guess. <laughs> but, I, I was uh, just thinking, I, I was just thinking about it in terms of like, like a comedy man being used in a dramatic way that like fits that fits the form of what's happening in here without it feeling like you know there's too much it's it's too downplaying him so that he's like has no personality or too overplaying him where that it's just too ridiculous for yeah, him. you know what i'm saying yeah, I like it's, was, it does fit you know it was a really good use of him yeah now yeah. I, I will also say was this the first time you'd seen this movie Yes, this was the first time I had seen it. Like, I was honestly a little cold to it the first time I had seen it. Like, I, I watch it twice to, you know, like, get, hear it, see it the mm-hmm. first time, and then, of course, gather my thoughts the second time. Um, but, like, as I watched it the second time, I kind of appreciated where the narrative was going. I still had a couple of issues with how the plot unfolded, but purely as, like, a... Uh, 
uh, you know, the, the structure of it where it felt things like kind of kept repeating in a similar pattern. It was just like, okay, we're coming, coming up on contrivances to keep certain like momentum going. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, uh, but otherwise, yeah, I think it's a solid film that like it really pokes at you with what it's doing, you know? Yeah. Um, Starting with if you want to get into the plot or was there something well, else? Going so with? I was going to say in terms of like my experience with it, I saw this movie in theaters in 2019, which oh, this is yeah. the funny thing. So this movie is set in 2012. It came out in 2019. Yeah. It's a period piece, which yeah, sounds, it so, it sounds so <laughs> weird to say about a movie that was made seven years after the time it's set. But things yeah. change so fast now. And it is yeah. it's a period piece. It's not what, like generic what? modern day. It is specifically right. 2012 was, in New York City. Yeah, and it was interesting because I was thinking about like just how much it plays here at that time with the weekend because they say like, oh yeah, he's gonna blow up, he's next, and I was like, wait, what year is this? Like it specifically threw my brain like, oh yeah, this had to be in twenty twelve. Like they knew the weekend was gonna blow up, right, like... pressures. but um, yeah. but yeah, it's it's that was interesting, and the funny thing too is I saw it in New York. Um, which I used to live in New York and then I was passing through with my wife because this was it, it was in 2019 and we had gone to upstate New York for um, a friend's engagement party and we stopped in New York City on the way back and we're like, okay, we're going to catch the bus and our bus was at 4 a.m. Out of, out of like Penn Station. So we're like, okay, we're going to go see a movie to help us stay up. And so we went and saw Uncut Gems at, you know, it was like 1 a.m. to 3 a.m. show and um and it was i i remember my experience of it was a i was super super tired because it was the middle of the night i've been up since early and so i did fall asleep briefly during one part um <laughs> like a really short part i think it was the part on having watched it the second time i think it was the part where he like goes to try and swap the ring back or something but i don't even know what i missed but i i think i fell asleep for like five minutes but at the same time, it was so stressful. It was so, so stressful. Right. <laughs> I was so on edge. And so the second time that I watched it, you know, the other night, I actually enjoyed it a lot more because I knew exactly what was going to happen. So instead uh, of being on edge going, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? Um, I enjoyed it a lot. So I would say like, if, you know, I, I'm usually like, don't watch, stop listening. If you haven't seen the movie, stop right now, go watch it, whatever. <laughs> this is what I'm going to say. I think actually having it spoiled, you might enjoy it more because you know, it, it could be if you don't know what's going to happen, it is so freaking stressful. And for me and also like my brother in law was over and I mentioned to him um, that I, about the movie and he said, oh, you watched it again. It was so stressful. And I said, yeah, but but it wasn't stressful the second time because I knew yeah. it was going to happen. So instead of go, like worrying about it, I was just watching things unfold and I was able to notice the details more. Huh. And that's interesting in terms of yeah how the movie because the movie's ending depends on a game a basketball game happening and I had that moment I was just like wait is this like from a specific date I think I remember hearing people talking about this right where it's just like if you have a video I mean if you have a actual basketball game you know that seems like it's actually like you would either you know actually have to film a new game or are you taking from like an actual game and i think i remember hearing around the time this was taken from an actual game in 2012 was it not oh okay yeah it's a real game celtics versus or i'm sorry the celtics that bothers me so <laughs> much it's not how you say the word kill anyway the celtics versus the 76ers the last game of the 2012 nba eastern conference semifinals took place on May 26, 2012. So that's a real game, yeah. So then I wonder, it's just like, so anyone who saw that game, is this, like, boring? You know, because, like, they're seeing it, like, I already saw this, you know? Well, I mean, 
I think no, for me at least, knowing the outcome, it it didn't make it boring. It really like there's sort of a poetic, there's a poetic beauty, there's a tragic poetic beauty to the way everything unfolds. Mm. And watching it to me, it's like, you know, mm. it's like if you're listening to a song you've heard more than once, it's not boring because you know how the song's gonna go. You know, right? So yeah, I was no, able to appreciate it in that way. Yeah, no, I get you with that. I, I was with less how emotionally. It was. It was kind of. I feel like. We've talked about Brecht before on this show, but, um, <laughs> you know, for me, I like Brecht, uh, Bertolt Brecht had this concept of theater that if you alienate the audience and you remind them, hey, you're watching a play, this is not real, this is just a play, look, here's some scenery, look, these are stage crew, these are just actors, this is not real, and you get them less emotionally invested, then they're able to intellectually appreciate a play more, and for me, it was, it, it's like, and I would say not even intellectually, aesthetically, it's like, I was less emotionally invested the second time I watched it, so I was more aesthetically invested, and I was able to sort of appreciate it might sound weird about, no, I get what uh, you're saying. you know, it, it might sound weird to say about a movie that's about like a diamond district guy who's addicted to gambling, running around with his trashy mistress and, you know, all this stuff, yeah. like, but there's a beauty to it. And, and that beauty, um, yeah, like that, that beauty was something I was able to see more when I wasn't caught up in like, Oh my God, what's going to happen? Or, Oh, that guy makes me so mad. Or, you know, I was able to, to sit back and enjoy it more. Yeah, yeah, I, I I get you with that because I did, I did have a better feel of it. Yeah, <laughs> like you're illustrating exactly how I was feeling. I'm just irritating you now. All right, so let's get to the movie. <laughs> uh, let's get to the movie proper. So it starts off yeah. uh, actually with like you see just like I think a bunch of stars and it kind of like um don't wait does it happen where it starts with stars and then kind of zooms it's, through the crystal and then it zooms out of his then kind of like showing his well, like so so it's colon starts, or something. It literally starts, starts in Adam Sandler's ass. Am I am I right on that? It it's so it starts in um Oh wait, excuse me. Yeah, there's in the Ethiopia. initial scene. Yeah, yeah. Where the um the oh and then it goes into the credit sequence where that happens. That that's what happens. Um but it it, it starts, yeah, with them in yeah, Ethiopia mining diamonds and someone is being pulled out and they're like I think we see that their leg is like ripped right. off. Right, somebody's like that, been but... injured in the mines in Ethiopia, and and, and um, there's like Korean overseers, I think. Like, yeah, yeah. There's and and then a few of them go into this mine, and they see you know sticking out of the earth this really amazing opal, and it zooms in on the opal, and then it sort of is going into the depth of the gem, and then gradually, gradually, so that you don't even notice the depths of the gem and sort of cloudy and almost looks like outer space. And then it turns into the inside of, of Howard's colon and zooms hmm. out and it's the, the doctor doing a colonoscopy on him. Um, and that was an interesting thing. Now to think about it, like he's, he's getting a colonoscopy at the beginning to see if he has, you know, uh, rectal cancer and that is cancer. <laughs> yeah. And that, and that never really, um, it's, I, I, and I wonder sort of, it's, it's, interesting it's played like a soft expect, joke, you know, well, like, I, I think that you, you, you expect, you know, like somebody's getting checked out for cancer and you expect it to be this big, big, big deal. And then yeah. when he gets the call later in the movie, like, Oh, actually you're clean. It's fine. It's like nothing. It's in the midst of a scene where a million other things are going on and it yeah. doesn't matter at all. And I, I actually thought that's kind of clever because it's almost a cliche to have like waiting on the results of a cancer dying. You know, of a oh, cancer sure. Biopsy. 
Um, so the fact that it ends up being an afterthought is, is kind of interesting. Uh, but, um, yeah. The, the one thing I really don't like, though, is just the... The music is just so purposely cloying gonna, at you. <laughs> no, I was going to talk about, I was going to mention the music. Yeah, the, so the music, it's like this weird synthy, like, ding, ding, ding. And it, There's like so many instruments just kind of randomly come in. Well, it like, reminded me of like old, like old cheesy sci-fi, like mid-century sci-fi. Uh, um, it's I, like, I was feeling, I was feeling like it was like a sci-fi version of like Spike Lee's music in movies, where like you'll hear this like orchestra that's like really big, but it feels like it's just like chewing into the scenery a little bit, where it's just like, oh, okay. It's very attention grabbing, and especially yeah. the second time. I don't remember having much of a reaction to it the first time, but this second time I watched the movie, the music really, really like it. It, it almost felt. Um, it was almost like that the theme in Twin Peaks. It was like, oh, my God, this like it really it's very it stands out. It almost doesn't quite fit. But, yeah, it's yeah. Just like it, it sounds like retro sci fi music. It's so strange. It's, it's so, so strange. weird. You got to hear it yourself because it's so hard to describe. There's not really like a melody in it or anything. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's yeah. If you watch this movie, if you've seen it, you know what we're talking about. If you if you watch it, you'll you'll immediately go. Oh, that's what they mean. Yeah, it's, it's really <laughs> But yeah, and uh, it starts with him after he gets that uh, heading to the job. But these Italian dudes who are angry that they don't have the money yet, uh, they get uh, they get mad at him and and take his watch. And he you know orders that they deduct it from the final price of whatever it is they're trying to get the money for. Uh, again, I, I was talking about this on the Jackie Brown episode. When it comes to just like money moving around, sometimes I can get kind of like. What what is okay? So what does it matter here that that money goes there? You know what I mean? Like yeah, it, it gets a little confusing. But basically, we find out early on that uh, Howard habitually bets on basketball and that he owes yes. a lot of money to this uh, mobster Arno. But um, but it turns out to be a relative of his. It turns right? out to be his brother in law. But we don't find that out until. Uh, pretty far into the movie until the Passover scene. Yeah, because so. it, I think it's treated like a surprise because they kind of like ha have him come and it's just like, oh. Yeah, it is. That's, <laughs> yeah, because we, we have quite a few interactions. So so initially we just see Arno's goons um, who are, uh, you know, who are kind of roughing him up and they and they take his watch. And, and um, so, but, you know, he goes into this, he's got this little shop uh, on the second floor of some building in the Diamond District, and I, I get the impression, yeah, it's a, it's up on the second or, or higher floor, uh, and there's double layers of locking door, almost like an airlock, and the locks yeah. don't work correctly. The, there's something wrong yeah. with the locking mechanism, so that comes in later. That's established early on that, that this little airlock outside his his shop doesn't work right, and we meet uh, Damani, who's Lakeith Stanfield, yes, who is sort of. Um, uh, like a promoter for him, like yeah, he gets he, guys in to buy diamonds from him. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and we learn about uh, what, what's the character's name? Howard uh, Rat Ratzer or Rattler or something? Uh, yeah, Howard Ratner. Yeah. Yeah. Woo! Got it right. I usually and, <laughs> suck at remembering character names. <laughs> yeah, and he, and he has a couple people who work in his shop. He's got this yeah. uh, this guy, um. This, oh yeah, the uh, one dude who rips his, who UC, gets his shirt ripped. You <laughs> see, yeah, and then uh, Julia De Fiore, who is his mistress as well as the shop yeah, girl. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you know, something going on with that. Uh, 
And oh, what was it? Oh, yeah, the thing about him uh, that they brought up is that, like, uh, Damani was talking about, like, yeah, man, he's been uh, hooking up the big rappers in music videos since, right, like, the Right, right, because Damani so, has like, a rapper in there looking at, at the at the jewels. Yeah, and because uh, he brings up the Furby chain. Yeah, that, that <laughs> Howard's sort of claim to fame is that he made these uh, these novelty uh, Furby for like diamond Furbies that you can yeah. wear and the eyes will move around. <laughs> Which is so funny because like that is not even a ridiculous like thing that would have happened back then because I remember I want a Furby <laughs> necklace. I don't necessarily want like a $10,000, $20,000 right. Furby necklace, but I want but, a like, Furby with little eyes that yeah. move around on a necklace. That's cool. He meets up with because Kevin Garnett is uh Coming up to the showroom. I want to say, like, so Kevin Garnett's playing himself, and he's really good in this. I mean, not even great yeah, on a curve I'm, here. Like, he's really good, and I feel like usually like believable. Like on the on the level from well, who's a who's actually a really good at uh from from Michael Jordan from Michael Jordan on the low 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 scale right. <laughs> to uh to uh Dr. J in uh or excuse me um who was it in Airplane. <laughs> Oh, I don't remember, but I just, we watched Space Jam recently with, with oh, my kids. Oh, Lord, yes. So thinking about, like, you know, Basketball athletes playing actors themselves. are so bad. Like, you know, I mean, he's serviceable. He's working with a bunch of cartoons, you know. I'm not, like, whatever. Yeah. He's not. But, yeah, but, like, in terms, well, I was going to say, like, my my sort of go-to for, for actors playing themselves awkwardly is, like, whenever uh, Gnarls Barkley not Charles Barkley. Who the, who the Charles Barkley? Charles Barkley. I was like, wait, no, Charles <laughs> Barkley is a, is a CeeLo in fucking Danger Mouth. Danger, CeeLo in Danger Right. Oh, my God. Charles Barkley. Uh, Charles Barkley. Made some great music. But, uh. Charles Barkley, yeah. No, but Charles Barkley, like, whenever he's on SNL and he's like, you know, he's fun to watch because he's so, like, enthusiastic and into it, but he's not a good actor. You know, yeah. and... and you know, Kevin Garnett being like a genuinely like not that's not his job to be an actor. And yet he's doing a really serviceable job. Like, yeah, he's like, be- like I believe he- him. Yeah. And I didn't feel the need to grade on a curve and go, oh, well, he's an athlete. He's an athlete. And so I'm going to kind of, you know, he didn't do that like awkward real person acting where they're just kind of saying the lines, you know? Yeah. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. Um, and what happens is he gets uh, a big, uh, but Adam Sandler at the same time gets a big shipment um, with uh, like a bunch of fish in it that when he cuts into it actually turns out to be uh, these jewels that were like still kind of in the raw. Like they've just been just been cut out of the mine, like at the beginning of the movie. And uh, the titular uncut gem. Yes. And you hear like he said he kind of starts in because he wants to show uh, Kevin Garnett this uh Kevin Garnett, the jewel, to be like, yo, man, this is how good I am. This is some stuff I got. And uh, and he's it, also, he's a big fan of, like, that's been established. Like, he's a big basketball fan, and he's a big fan of Kevin Garnett specifically. So he's really wanting to impress him, too. Yeah. And, and he has one when he gets it. When he first gets it, he's just like, and this happened several moments in the movie where he's just so enamored by something that he just, like, almost comes on himself. Like, yeah. he's just like, yeah. And the dude who's talking to him, he just gets so drowned out. He's just like, hey, man, I'm about to work for somebody else, man. What the fuck is wrong oh, with yeah, you, man? Yeah, Come so on, UC listen, comes listen, in because UC was roughed up by the, by the goons. And yeah, so yeah. he's like, you know, hey, they ripped my shirt. I'm going to go. And, and he's, like, talking to... 
Howard, while Howard is completely absorbed by this opal and just, oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> and, and yeah, you see Storms out. And there's also a little bit of a, like a little bit of foreshadowing because Kevin Garnett, you know, obviously big guy basketball player keeps leaning on the glass yeah, to look yeah, at stuff. Like, and, yeah. and Howard keeps going, you know, don't lean on the glass. Don't lean on the glass. Please don't lean on the glass. Yeah. And, and- yeah, yeah, but when he gets it in, he he you know calls over to him. He's just like, "Yo, you gotta check this out. This is crazy. I just got this shipment. Like you know, no one like no one's got this type of shit. You know." And he said he asked him, "Was like, hey, you ever heard of African you know African Jews?" And he's like, "What African Jews? What are you talking about? Like, yeah, stranded in Ethiopia, yeah, um, and, Israel, yeah, yeah." And he had seen this. uh this video and he shows him the video of like like what do they wear and what is that type of stuff they wear again yeah and, and he says it's these black opals and you know the the thing is you can see the whole universe in these things so it's kind of like oh that's what the intro was about you know um and then when he uh it show it, it shows uh kevin garnett like zooming into it with you know being able to look into it and uh it zooms in further and further as he's explaining and it kind of like has this moments where you see like you hear like this flash and it shows like a bunch of pictures of like the uh black uh uh black jews and like and then it shows like a picture of kevin garnett or something like that and then he like you know he's so looking into it that yeah he falls in on the the jewelry glass case that he's uh, uh leaning on and you know then it becomes a whole commotion where it's like oh crap like look what happened da, da, da. And it's like hey man i told you not to lay on the glass what do you want me to yeah. do yeah so so there is i will say like one of the things that was still stressful a little bit to me about the movie because like i was no longer stressed out by wondering what's gonna happen with the plot but there are several scenes in this movie that are just utter chaos where like yeah. different people are yelling about different things at the same time and like there's just different crises coming to a head at once and yeah. i will say like as like a crashing parent, of conversations. <laughs> yeah, and I would just say, like, as a parent who's got a kid who's in virtual school, <laughs> who is also working remotely, who then has, like, various random crises happen at the same time, like, <laughs> like I will say, like, there have been so many times in my life in the last, like, couple years where I'm like, okay, I got a meeting going on at work that I'm trying to listen to, and then my kid's, like, screaming because he needs his fucking, like, pencil eraser and he can't find it, and the teacher's <laughs> saying something, and then my wife's saying something, Something, and then my like some other friend is like messaging me because they need help with something and i'm just like, like oh my ah, god is this real life <laughs> and so those scenes like those scenes where like you know like one per like howard's employee is yelling at him and his girlfriend's yelling at him and his wife and his doctor and this and this and guy the and the italian goons are yelling at him. <laughs> it's like there's like a million different like things going on and i'm just like that that like storm of chaos yeah, i think like, like the, the like the scene with you see is a little bit, but the scene later where Damani is mad at him uh, and he's also on the phone with his doctor is like another big example. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Because the goons uh, are like bu- buzzing on the door and Damani's yelling at him and his doctor's on the phone. And it's just like utter like like those moments were just so. Ah, and there's a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. So Kevin Garnett, he sees this thing. He's like, yo, I want this thing. Like, this is, this looks like, like, I, I feel like this is going to bring me good luck. Like, you right. know, like. He, and he takes the falling through the glass as sort of like a sign that the opal is, is, is going to be like good luck for him. Like calling to him. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, and so he says, like, well, hey, like, wait, it's set up for auction. I'm not actually supposed to be giving it away. And, you know, Kevin Garnett gets crossed. He's like, hey, why would you show it to me if you're not going to get if, if it's not available? What the heck's going on? And he's like, hey, man, it's, it's already set up for auction. If you want it, you got to, you know, go through this. You got to bet on it. You got to do that. And he's just like, all right, but well, let me hold it for the weekend. Let me, like, just hold on to it because I feel like this is going to this is going to be a good luck charm. You know what I'm saying? 
Um, so he says, well, I got to have something for collateral. You can't just, like, yeah, come on, man. I can't just give you that, you know? And so he says, all right. He has this big-ass Celtics. Uh, uh, the championship I, ring. Yeah, with the yeah. with the uh, with the what do you call that thing? The shamrock on it. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, all right, you know what? I'll give this to you in exchange. And then like, you know, uh, you have it for the weekend for the game. If it goes good, you know, like, I mean, either way, you're giving it back. But like, you know, you, you can see if you like see if you really want to have it, you know, Um but the idea is that he gets this thing in exchange, which he immediately pawns to right. the yeah. so to get Howard, money to bet on Kevin Garnett. Yeah, so Howard is, like, he makes a lot of really bad decisions. He's very impulsive, and he yeah. has that, like, you know, and, and I wonder if this is not something I specifically saw, but I think, you know, I wonder if some of the, the reasons people were feeling like this is anti-Semitic is like mm -hmm. the the stereotype of Jews being superstitious. Although it's really, I feel like, I don't know a stereotype of Syrian Jews being superstitious. That's more an Ashkenazi thing. But specifically, again, the way that Howard is superstitious is not Jewish superstitious. It's it, it's um, gambler superstitious. He's got this yeah. like manic gambler logic of like, oh, this guy says this is going to be a good luck charm for him. He's got a good luck charm. Okay, I got to go bet a million dollars on him, right? So he rushes out pawns the ring to get as much money as possible, as much cash as possible, and goes and sees his bookie in this Italian restaurant and places a huge bet on Kevin Garnett. And then we we see him at home in... He lives in some commuter town in Connecticut or, or New Jersey or, or upstate New York. I don't, I don't know where exactly his house is. I can't remember if they say, they say he's on Long Island or something. It's probably Connecticut. Oh, okay, I, I think it's probably, well, they say something about the tunnel, so it might be New Jersey. I don't remember exactly where, but he lives in some commuter town. And we find out that he and his wife, Dina, played by Idina Menzel, are divorcing, but they're waiting to tell their kids until after Passover because it's almost Passover. Right. Uh, yeah. And that is, that's like the first quarter. I divided the movie into quarters, not in any like attentional, intentional sports reference, but just <laughs> to like keep track of where I was. Cause it's, it's a nice quick, like two hour movie. It's a little over two hours. Yeah. So. That's about that's about a quarter of the way through is when yeah. we see him at home. And, and you see him at home watching the game, clearly ignoring his family. <laughs> like, right, because he's yeah, because his wife comes in like rain to your kid. Like, she's, yeah, <laughs> but uh, but you know, but yeah, he's got two sons and a teenage daughter. Um, and, Even when he goes in the room to apparently talk her in, right, you just see him watching the game on his phone. And he's like, but I will say, like, again, as apparently like, sometimes a kid takes a really long time to fall asleep, so you sit and play on your phone while you're sitting. Because <laughs> when my son, like, he grew out of this, but when he was um, a toddler, because so when he was a baby, we lived in a one-bedroom apartment, and he slept in the room with us. Um, and then we moved into a two-bedroom apartment when he was a toddler. He got his own room for the first time. Oh my God. Oh my God. You, you put, you put a toddler in a room by themselves for the first time in their life. It took a year. It took a year to get him to go to sleep without somebody in the room with him. Cause he would be crying, crying, crying if we weren't in the room with him. And so, you know, yeah, I'd be in there like looking on the phone, you know, with like, like have to just keep my hand on his back so he could feel like somebody's there. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was that was just a like oh yeah that rings true dad moment of him looking uh -huh. on the phone while his kids in bed. But so so he checks he checks the stats while he's uh, while he's uh, taking a cab somewhere and sees that his bet hit 
and he reroutes from wherever he's going to hit up his side chick. <laughs> yeah, so Julia, so... Oh, my God. Julia Fox, we got to have a mini thirst court over she here. Is, like, God, she, oh is my God. <laughs> she is She is stunning. She is so beautiful. Like, um, I was so thrown off where I was just, like, I watched the movie, and then just, like, when she's in the... Uh, um, the the bussier whatever it is like the real like sexy number and you just see her like the ass just like I'm like God yeah damn. No, she, like, like they they were not shy about like <laughs> using that yeah. um, but the, now my annoyance partially for the movie did kind of come with how they used her as a character where she's just like so vapid in a way that feels like wait I thought this was like a slightly serious movie why are they treating this character like you know what I mean like I don't know I mean I feel like she she's presenting herself in a certain way to Howard. And I think you could almost see like, you know, maybe she really is that vapid or maybe she's slightly less vapid, but whatever the case of who she truly is deep down, she is choosing to present herself in a particular way to this guy who, true, that's true. you know, gave her an apartment in midtown Manhattan, (laughs) you know, and like, you know, gets, is her boss, you know, now, see, see, it's not that part that I actually have an issue with. It's later on the scene with the weekend that kind of threw me off as to like what her character is supposed to be. Like, you know, she's in there like doing coke with the weekend, but she's trying to sell. Like, isn't she trying to like make a connection with him for the business? Like, she's trying to sell him diamonds or I, something. And see, I didn't, I didn't know. I wasn't aware of what was happening because the weekend had already gotten that chain commissioned by Adam Sandler, mm-hmm. which was the um. The one, uh, the one that looked like Michael Jackson, you know? Right, right. And so I was just like, oh, okay, so it's already a done deal. So, but, but w- you know, you can always buy more diamonds. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But, but my thinking was, I mean, if we're, I guess, if we're in the scene now, like, like my thinking was, is like, okay, she's going to sleep with the weekend because she clearly is. Like, she, um, what is it? Uh, God dang it. I, Wait, I want to wait to get there because well, the, yeah, so <laughs> we got a bit back. to go. <laughs> so, so he's texting Julia and telling her he's in her building and he's like, oh, I'm in the tunnel. I'm on the way. And he's texting her and he goes up and he's like spying on her, like through her, through yeah, the door. Through her closet. I, you know, he's like looking through the peephole or something. And so she's just like hanging out in these very, very sexy underwear uh, on her couch and she's texting him and he's spying on her, texting her. Which yeah. would be really, really creepy. I mean, it is creepy, but then he goes from being creepy to just being kind of like a, you know, kind of an idiot because he like busts in on her and goes, ah! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, but he, doesn't, it's like, he doesn't like continue the ruse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, oh, and so the next day they're supposed to uh, meet to get the jewels appraised. And... Right, so there's this auction, like he's, Howard has gotten the jewel, has gotten the opal with the intention of putting it in this big auction, but Damani is supposed to be getting it back from Kevin Garnett, and Howard's like, in this, the auction house, like, every, like, Damani's not there, he's running really late, and he's, he's, again, where this movie comes in being really stressful is like, you know, he's got this appointment, he's a half hour late, he's, and the lady won't let him come up until his partner's there with the opal, and... And, and this is what annoyed the crap out of me, like, the the, the first, con, like, contrivance that annoyed the crap out of me, right? But, like, I can understand it happening, you know, once, okay, like, once or twice or whatever, or what have you. Where, so basically, and I hate that Damani is just, like, not forward about this. Like, he's on the phone with him because I, I backed up just to be like, wait, yeah, wait, wait, let me make sure I'm seeing what's happening here. Because he says, like, oh, yeah, like, I'm coming up. And he says, 
like, all right, come in, like, double park the car, I don't care. And he's like, no, I'm not gonna try, try to double park my car. And he's just like, hey, man, come out here, man, I gotta tell you something, man. And it's just like, okay, why would you drive up there and not have the jewel? Like, he literally drove, drove all the way up there to just be like, hey, I don't have it, we have to, and no, he, and he wasn't intending on coming, because they're in Philly, I think it was. He drove yeah, up two I, hours from Philly just to tell him to not have the diamond and what, he was just gonna leave? Because Adam Sandler has to convince him to be like, no, I'm coming with you and we're getting this resolved. Because he's just like, oh man, it's two hours from Philly. It's just like, well, if you didn't have it, why would you not? And if you're like leaving your house to get like t two hours to get here, why would you drive up there without it in hand in the first place? Why would yeah, you not be I mean, like, I, hey, I, let I me guess, uh, ask him before I leave. Let I me, you know, he, like. Yeah, I guess the idea is that, like, Damani knows that, like, he's expected at the meeting, so he's not just delivering the opal, it's also that he's supposed to be there, but, um, but yeah, it does seem a little bit, like, confusing in terms of, like, what his logic was there, but yeah, so, so Damani finally tells Howard that, that Kevin Garnett still has the opal, he doesn't have it, and so Howard immediately insists they turn around, they go up to Philly, and they, and they end up you know, in Philly at the Celtics, uh, you know, uh, training gym or whatever. Yeah. Um, and what happens here is like, well, first I actually kind of, a there's, they have a mini dialogue where, you know, uh, uh, uh what was it? Uh, Lakeith Stanfield's like, hey, man, what's up with you Jewish niggas in basketball, man? What's yeah, going on with that? It's funny because Howard, <laughs> like, you know, he's on a mission. He's, like, worried about the auction. He's got to get this opal. And yet he turns into this kid. He turns into this, like, 11-year-old kid. He sees a ball and he, like, grabs the ball and has to, like, shoot a basket. He has to shoot around. a J real quick. He's yeah. just so excited <laughs> about being there. And, and he ends up telling him, he says, uh, oh, yeah, he, he actually dropped some knowledge about, like, oh, the first two points scored by was scored by a Jew in professional basketball, you know, yeah. and he brings up the name. I forget who this freaking name was, but. Um, uh, hold on. First two points in the NBA. Yeah, like, th this is like, yeah, because I'm not a sports person at all. It was, uh, it was Schechtman. It was Austin Yeah, Schechtman. That was the name. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so I was just like, oh, okay, I see. You know, he's showing yeah. his love for the game, you know. Um, But then, because of his fucking showboating, trying to, uh, you know, look nice by, you know, shooting a J real quick, he ends up getting cut out when Damani goes backstage. Right, Damani just walks straight back past yeah, his guards. Yeah, which is fucked up. <laughs> and and then the guards are like, no, we don't we don't know you. We didn't see you come in with that guy. We don't know who you are. You, and they won't let him in. So Howard has no choice but to to just go back to New York empty handed because yeah. is just ignoring him. And I'm like, what in the hell? Like, no, like that, that felt like a weird thing, too. Where it's just like, so you just went back there and then just didn't come out. And just, I'd be like, what, what the hell is going on here? Like, I feel like you couldn't like call Demani him. You couldn't text. Yeah, like, I feel like you have to kind of read some history into, because Damani is, you know, like, you can tell he's just kind of fed up with Howard. Yeah, and and he, he calls him a bus back. I think later on they reveal that. He gets him a bus that was, like, really crappy. Or right, like that, and, but. like, you know, and, like, if if you're just going based on the immediate events of the movie, it's like, what's your problem? But if you think about who, how he is and what it must be like to work with that guy and deal with mm. that guy. And like, cause Damani's job is pretty straightforward and he clearly works really hard being like, I'm going to go find these people. I'm going to make friends with the people. I'm going to make connections. I'm going to get you people to buy. And Howard's running around placing these huge basketball bets and, you know, and running these schemes and all this stuff. So, you know, I, I can understand 
for Damani, if you think about years of being somebody who works hard in a really straightforward way, and you're dealing with this person who's just <clears throat> chaotic and all over mm-hmm. the place, just being fucking As a set history up of him. this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, <clears throat> yeah. So uh, Adam leaves. And he uh, he gets back in time for his daughter's uh, play. And I wanted to ask, it was like, is this based on some sort of, uh, like, Jewish fable or something? Is there something about, like, uh, and I was, I was assuming they were at a I Jewish school. I don't think it's a Jewish fable. I think it's, I don't know, it might be, but I think it, was, it seemed like the Snow Queen or, like, that's, I, I don't know if it was a specific fairy tale, but, like, that is a, a pretty, I know that there is a fairy tale of, like, uh, a one like the good daughter has gold coins come out of her mouth every time she speaks and the bad daughter has togs and frogs and toads come out i mean that's i i think it was just kind of an amalgam of different fairy tale tropes uh, um, i could be wrong maybe somebody let us know if that's like a, a really specific story but it seemed just like kind of a mishmash of of a yeah. few different fairy tales. It was like, what a weird, like, what a weird, like, what I was thinking, I was like, wait, every time he speak, just gold coins, like, yeah, you that can't is, say anything, that's all. That's awful. like a grim fairy tale. Yeah, yeah, no, it would. And actually, it's funny, um, Neil Gaiman wrote this children's book that it's one of my son's books called Instructions. And it's basically uh, instructions for how to get through fairy tales. And one of the instructions is do not be jealous of your sister. Remember that gold and diamonds uh, are just as uncomfortable as frogs and toads and snakes when they come out of your mouth <laughs> and, they, and they're sharp and they cut. <laughs> well. Well, yeah. Um, but then uh, but, he leaves. Yeah, this gets dramatic at the <clears throat> school play. Yeah, yeah, because he, he, he looks up and he sees, like, those two Italian dudes uh, are there. And he's like, oh, crap, uh, excuse me, I got to go. And he's not even really, like, paying attention to the conversation he's having with the the other parents that are there. So he's kind of, like, out of it anyway. Um, but before the play starts, he excuses himself because he sees those guys. And he, like, runs up to him. He's just like, hey, man, you want to take this outside? And he's like, are you sure you want to do that, huh? And he's like, yeah, like, you know, I do. But then I don't get what his character's play was supposed to be here because he, he he walks outside with him and he goes like, yeah, you show up with my family and he like pushes the one guy against the the um, the um locker that's out there and like runs off, <clears throat> which I didn't understand. I was just like, wait, if they know where your family is, wouldn't you like want to be chill and like not want to start a ruckus? Like one of them might have a gun. Like what, well, you know and, what I mean? Like A, I feel like he probably felt like his family was safe being inside of school. Like they're not going to like, but also knowing now like that Arlo, Th- like that they know lo- where he going is, back yeah. and knowing that Arlo knows Arlo's right. his brother-in-law, like that's yeah, his sister-in-law. Yeah. He's not going to go in and murder his, his nieces and nephews and his sister-in-law, especially that's not true, in that's his true. school. Yeah. Know, like knowing that and knowing that there's a family connection, that this isn't just some random thug he owns, owes money to. That's true. That's true. Yeah. And, it kind of br- brings things into sharper relief. Yeah. Right. And also, um, and it, but again, also like how he is not that smart and how he makes these like impulsive decisions. He loses his temper a lot and he just kind of like does what, you know, like he's not thinking things through. He just does whatever on impulse. So, yeah. I, you know, that seems in keeping with the character. That he just yeah, does that. but it's like, but my, yeah, and my thing is like, okay, he's so scared that he's running for his life, but then it's just like, where, how far do you think you're gonna get? Like, <laughs> clearly there were some dudes, yeah, like, uh, oh yeah, because they find out 
like yeah as he gets outside you see like the car you know full of the other guys and then like come up and, and pull him in and uh, i was thinking the bite happens earlier but it happens here where um you know they're talking to him and they're like yeah man like what's going on with the money and he's like no i put it on this bed uh don't worry about it it's good and he's like you put it on a bed yeah no no actually he denies it at first yeah he says like well what about this thirty thousand dollars we saw you with you know earlier in the day because yeah i think uh the italian goons are watching him yeah earlier in the movie where he's just like hey we see that he's got some money uh because he, he, like, texts it to them, and you see that happen earlier in the movie. And so when this happens, he's just like, hey, w- what about this money? I thought you had this money. He's like, no, 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 that wasn't my money. Uh, you know, I, I didn't do anything with That wasn't yeah, the money that but, I gave to someone like, else. Howard is just making phenomenally bad decisions all over the place. He He's constantly kind of shuffling money around, making bets, and, pawning And lying to, to about to how back. he's doing it. Yeah, like... Because like, when he goes to pawn the ring, like, he's like, hey, I'm going to come back and get this. Like, he's... You know, he's he's constantly making these decisions. And then when he's finally in the car with Arlo, you know, he's saying like, hey, you know, how do you think it makes me feel when you owe me all this money? And I just hear you just refinished your swimming pool. And honestly, not to like condone the, you know, the beating him up and stuff, but I'd be fucking pissed. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. He says, like, he says, uh, it's like, oh, did you put some money on some bets? He's like, no, I didn't do anything like that. And, you know, they rough him up a little bit. He's like, okay, okay, I, I did. It. Okay, I did put a bet. Yeah, I remember now. Uh, I put a bet on this. And he's like, oh, yeah, you bet on this? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he ended up winning. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, uh, basically, he says, like, basically, the, the goons had found out that he had put the bet on him. They right. just wanted so, to so squeeze the confession out of him. So huge winning bet to that he would have won, like, tons and tons of money from Kevin Garnett. But yeah, we but find out they that canceled it. Had yeah. stopped the bet, and that's that is like, um, you know, I'm sure there's some like technical screenwriting term for this or whatever. But that's that little moment that's kind of like a reflection and reversal of the end because it's like, you know, he thinks he's got this big win. He should have had this big win, but Arno tragically, you know, fucked it up by by stopping it. And screwed them both out of a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, um, I just wanted to say real quick, uh, and also this is the first time we actually see Arno and not just his henchman. Um, he's played by Eric Bogosian, uh, who I love. I love Eric Bogosian, and it's a nice bit of casting too because he's like, like Eric Bogosian is kind of like this, like he's not necessarily who you would immediately think of in playing like a big scary mob boss, you know, he doesn't have this, like he's, he, he doesn't seem like he, at least for me, like he's, like he doesn't seem like a kingpin. Like, he doesn't seem intimidating, yeah. but then, you know, with this sort of like hangdog, sad, helpless expression that he has in a way, it almost makes him more intimidating because it's so unexpected that it makes him scarier, you know? Yeah. And there is like a part of him that seems like he doesn't want to do this genuinely, right? Like, right, and he's like, dude, you are fucking up so much. Like, I have to show you that I'm not fucking with you. Like, right. Like, he doesn't seem sadistic or like mustache twirling villainous. He seems like like somebody who's just genuinely frustrated and angry. It's just with him, he happens to have henchmen who can go around beating somebody up and putting them in a car trunk. Um, mm. uh, and I just wanted to say real quick, also, uh, you know, again about this details of this movie being like unapologetically Jewish in a way that I really appreciate because I don't see it that much is like, um, you know, the, the families are having these conversations in the school play before the play starts and they're talking about Passover. And then one, like one of the parents says something like, I don't know how we're going to keep it in Mexico. And 
you know, again, if you're Jewish and you're thinking like, oh, you're on vacation, you're going to be in a hotel. And if it's not a specifically Jewish hotel, they're, they're going to have bread around and what are you going to do and how's that going to work? Um, and you know, and the fact that they, they did that and didn't sort of like spotlight and go, I don't know how we're going to keep Passover when there's going to mm. be bread. You know, they didn't like feel the need to kind mm. of like turn to the audience and explain that. Mm. And that was really like, that was nice because it's like, oh, that's just how people talk to each other. Right, know? right. Um, it's not even then, necessarily about like Jews. It's about like, this is the way people talk to each other without feeling like normalized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, so... <clears throat> Uh, Adam Sandler's character, uh, Howard, he calls Damani to ask for the gym. And, you know, because he's kind of mad at him about the bus ride. He's kind of chewing on, chewing him out because of that. And uh, but he says, like, all right, you're going to be at the, the weekend concert tonight. Good. Uh, I'm going to be there. Like, get it to me then. But then he still doesn't bring the opal when he gets there. It's just like, OK, like, what the fuck, dude? Like, Right. And that's, again, where I think, like, it. I had that reaction at first, too. It was like, Damani, what the hell is your problem? But then you have to think back to the history that happens, like, prior to the events of the movie and what it would be like working with Howard. Because you can tell, like, the Damani, like, if you think of it as he's got years of frustration with this guy built up and it's just uh. now starting to come out in a lot of contempt, it makes sense. Whereas if you just think, like, it's like his actions don't make sense if they're an immediate reaction to Howard. But if they, if you think of them as this is contempt leaking out from years of frustration, it uh, makes I, more sense. I guess I'm just thinking in terms of like, you know, if I had someone that I was like, Oh yeah, I borrowed that thing. Oh, let's get it back to him. And like twice in a row, like to be like, I would feel like a dick. <laughs> like, yeah. Unless, <laughs> unless you're at a point with that person where you're just like, fuck you, fuck that guy. Fuck Howard. Uh, so you, so you see when he's being like, do you assume he's being vindictive? Cause I just assumed it was just, he was being forgetful. Like, I don't, I don't think he's like, I don't think it's necessarily like intentional vindictiveness, but I think it's like, uh, oh, fuck that guy. I'm not going to go out of my way to help him. I'm not going to... Mm. Fuck him. I'm not going to do what he wants. I don't care how worked up he is. You know, yeah, I, mean, I, I don't it. know but if I you've ever been like... in that situation where, like, somebody's been pissing you off for a while and then they want you to do something for them and it's just like, eh. Yeah, I guess, but, like, it would be like... Because, like, he says, I'll see you at the concert. I'm going to get it from you then. Like... Would I mean, you just, you like, just not go him. there if you're trying to avoid him? Like, why would you be there knowing that he's going to be there and just to be like, no, fuck you, I don't have it. It's like, well, but you told he... me on the phone you were going to have it. Like, yeah, I mean, maybe you just really wanted to go to the weekend concert. He was meeting other I mean, people. Yeah, he like, did say there. that. He was like, he's there hey, with other weekend people. concert. And we also <laughs> see him. There's this, like, really minor character who pops up once in a while called Flawless, who's, like, a, a, a Diamond District rival of Howard's. And we see... You see uh, Howard's employee, you see ends up going to work for Flawless, and we also see Damani hanging out with Flawless, like, on a yeah, couple yeah. of occasions. And, okay, so th this is the scene where, you know, um, Weekend performs his song with the black lights on. Um, oh, yeah, and he's, like, acting... It's funny, because the Weekend's playing himself, and he's acting <laughs> like a little bitch. Like, like he's a like, bit of a prima donna. black light. I can't <laughs> yeah. do anything until I have my black... Like, he's acting like such a little bitch, and I appreciate that about him, that he's, like, playing himself... Like they played it real, like himself at all. Like yeah, yeah. You know. Um. Now and but okay. So then we have the scene like after that where he's hanging out with uh uh Julia Julia Fox's character and they're like, oh yeah, let's do a little coke and let's hang it out. Da, da, da. And, and she's going like, oh no touching. And he's just like, oh come on. It's like they're, they're doing coke 
in the bathroom hanging out and she's like oh you no touching oh i told you not but then it's like they clearly end up you know having sex and so yeah also i just want to say real quick like that bathroom is such a like they got that like it, it's so realistically new york you know, because that like bathroom looks like at first I didn't realize it was a bathroom because they yeah, right. So, I was like, wait, is this just a back room here? Like, what is it this? It looks like a closet. It looks like yeah. a room closet. It's so tiny. But the thing is, that's like a dive bar bathroom in New York around 2012. Like, that is what it would be like. It would be like you could like if you were like a bigger person, you might not be able to fit in there. That's yeah, how yeah. small they are. So, but okay. And so, what happens is, is like, because I was trying to figure out what what was her impetus, right? Because it seems that she's going like, oh no, 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 I don't want to. Like, we're not doing anything. We're just hanging out, and, like doing some coke. I'm the person who hangs out with that. But then they're like, okay, they just have sex. And then uh, uh, Adam Sandler comes in, fucking pissed off, and like you know, dra drags Weekend out and almost gets into a brawl with him. And uh, he ends up running out and be like, "Oh fuck you!" Da, da, da. And and then, but I just had the thought. I was like, "Wait, so why is she sleeping with the Weekend, knowing that they have business and knowing like all of it? like it just didn't make sense?" Like I was thinking at first, "Oh, is she doing it like to help the company to seal a deal or something I mean, like that?" But, but no, that doesn't turn out to be the case. I mean, she might also just be making bad decisions because she's horny and she's high on coke. And and a, yeah, she is high like, on coke. <laughs> you know, and there's like a, you know, attractive, young, famous guy or like about to be famous guy who's, you know, really into her. Like, I mean, why do people, why is Howard cheating on his wife and the mother yeah, of his right. children? Like, people make bad decisions when they're horny and especially if they're high and they're in an op and they have an opportunity. So I don't think that's so much baffling. It's just like, she's also making a bad decision there. Yeah. And then like, not even a couple minutes later, he's like, so, so you coming into work today or not? It's like, God damn it, dude. Yeah. Would you get mixing business and pleasure is problematic. Yeah. Yeah. See, and I guess it's like, th that is the bigger tell to just how bad both of these characters are. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and how that they are, you know, being so unprofessional, you know? Yeah. But, you know, I mean, if you owned a business and Julia Fox was your employee and she wanted to sleep with you, yeah. I mean, do, do, do you see yourself realistically being like, no, man, oh, no, but I don't wife. sleep with employees. That would be unethical. <laughs> and, and I was wondering, like, wait, because later on in the movie, they go up to the uh, apartment that his wife knows about. And so I was thinking, like, wait, was that, like, their apartment before was, they got their house? Well, so, again, they live in a commuter town, and it is fairly common for people who like work in New York city, like work in Manhattan oh, and you. make a decent amount of money to have a crash pad and then also have a, a house out in the burbs because, you know, it could take like an hour and a half, two hours to get out there. You're uh. not necessarily like you, you need someplace in the city. Right. So that yeah. was like his apartment, you know, that was the, like, that was Howard's like apartment in the city that they have in case they want to be in the city and not have to go two hours to get home. Oh, so, so basically, this, this is too rich for, for me to... <laughs> yeah, I mean... So this, I can't relate. <laughs> right, this is like a high-income thing. But, you know, so it's not so much that he, like, bought Julia a love nest all for her as that he lets her stay in the apartment when he knows his wife is not going to be there. Like, Dina clearly knows about Julia because they're getting a divorce, and at one point, like, yeah. later when... Uh, I think it's at Passover where... 
oh yeah the seder happens right after this but like he he's talking to her and he's like oh i'm gonna leave her she's trash like dina knows about julia this is not a revelation oh of course yeah 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 oh yeah so and they, then the, the super overbearing music comes in after when she's walking away <laughs> yeah. i think you're like singing along with it and it's like oh my god <laughs> like i think at one point i legitimately like just probably like what the fuck is up with this music <laughs> it is yeah yeah now now okay so we cut the next day with uh howard lying and saying he has the stone to the lady but just trying to buy buy some time to make it, the exchange with kg right and then he and then he calls up the the i guess the celtics managers and he's like trying to sue and he's and the woman on the phone you can hear is like just not having his shit and getting really mad and then he immediately like sees kg at the door and goes oh never mind bye and hangs up and and goes <laughs> to let him in and is all friendly and you know but we see the issue with the door and the buzzer not working again yeah, you see yeah, that yeah. as a reminder, like this door does not work. Mm-hmm. And oh yeah. And then Adam uh, says, like, oh shit, I left the ring in Long Island. It's like, oh god damn it, that's like three times in a row of motherfuckers just like forgetting shit. Right. Well, but but because Howard, he didn't leave the ring in Long Island, he left it at the pawn uh, at shop. The, uh, yeah, the he pawn didn't shop. Get it back yeah. from the pawn shop, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it was like, I think it was like it was like the next day. So it was like one of those things where it's just like, well, would he not have have had time to remember in that time. Well, I like, think it's just that, you know, he had, he got roughed up by goons at his daughter's play. And mm. then he, you know, had a fight. He broke up with his girlfriend and got in a huge fight with the weekend. You know, it's yeah. like, he's, he's been distracted. Uh, he forgot yeah, to go true. to the pawn shop, you know? So, so then Damani is, is mad. Cause you know, cause so, you know, Kevin Garnett leaves cause Howard doesn't have the ring. And so Damani is then like really mad at Howard for like, you know, all that. And Howard's taking a call from the doctor. And this is like one of these chaotic scenes. So Howard's on the phone with this doctor. Yeah. And the doctor's saying, your colon's clean. Damani's like, hey, man, this is not cool. It's like trying to get his attention. Howard's ignoring him on the phone. So Damani pours a drink. Like, I yes. think he's Powerade. Oh, he my God. Powerade yeah. In the fish tank. Yeah. And- and meantime, like somebody is buzzing at the door, right? I think like somebody's buzzing at the door at the same time. And so Damani pours the Powerade into the fish tank and Howard's like trying to save the fish and he's like crying about the fish and then also trying to get to the auctioneers in time because she's about to give up. Um, and then he sees Julie in the hall and she's got a smoothie yeah. and he smacks the smoothie and, all and over he's like, I, Yeah, because goes, she goes like, I rushed over here as soon as I could and you see the camera cut down to her smoothie. And he's like, oh, you're, as soon as you could, huh? You made sure to get a smoothie along the way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's that it's that classic like showing up to class late with Starbucks, yeah. um, and so it's this utter chaos. He smacks that all, and he gets in the elevator, and there's some you know there's other people in the elevator. He's just like, oh, you wouldn't believe what I you know what, what I'm dealing with, and then it cuts to him outside. He's like wishing good Pesach, good Pesach to everybody in the Diamond District, and sees uh, you see. Uh, in in I think Flawless's shop, who looks sort of resentful. You see that never like nothing ever really comes of you see, like nothing really. Yeah, comes no, of I feel like either. he just kind of so. falls out of a yeah yeah. Um, but yeah, that was the thing that I was noticing, which is like okay, like three times in a row, like the plot hinges on people just perpetually forgetting a super important fucking thing, <laughs> like you know. Um. Oh yeah, and then we end up going to uh, then it's this is the, the Pesach, right? Father-in-law's house for the seder, right? And I, oh, I wrote right. Carpus ASMR because we just hear them crunch, 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 crunch on celery, and it's like the, the <laughs> sound balance. It's like all in your ears with the celery. Yeah, 
And uh, is that the old man from uh, the, the, what's his name's dad from Independence Day? The, you punched the president. Who who is that guy? Um, I think maybe it is. I'm looking him up right now. Um, yeah, the, the dad, dad was somebody. The the father in law. So this is Dina's father. Um, is uh, Judd Hirsch. Judd Hirsch. Yep, that's him. <laughs> yeah, he was just delightful and adorable. So they start the all the brothers in law start arguing about basketball and and father in law goes shut up and then we see the shot of Arno and it's like holy shit <laughs> you know because yeah. we just think he's this like scary mob boss that that yeah. Howard owes money to and then we realize oh shit he's his brother in law um, and he's just kind of staring really hard at Howie and he gets skipped um, he gets skipped and I think one of the I think his one of Arno's kids says you skipped my dad and that just kind of gets ignored um because he's he's not Jewish and the father-in-law doesn't trust him you know with reading anything out of the Seder um and then Howard uh is you know reading out the plagues in English the mother reads in Hebrew and Howard's joking about the death of the firstborn and you can tell he's like hmm. you know he's very like comfortable his family and being like the funny dad and you know and while the Seder's going on Julia sends him a link to a Craigslist posting for the apartment uh, which is his apartment that he owns. So, and uh, he he goes out of the out into the hall and tries calling her, and we get a voicemail where she says, "Leave a message. I don't text, so don't text me." Which is like really dated. That's such a like. Can you imagine like a young person, right? Even like eight years later, being like, "I don't text. You have to call me and leave a voicemail." Yeah, no, that makes no sense. Yeah. <laughs> But also she clearly does text because she was texting him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then we've got the the um, Howard and his father-in-law and some of his brothers-in-law are in this you know other room watching the basketball game and smoking cigars. And the father-in-law is grumbling about this, you know, the goy at the Seder. And, and we see Arno just like slinking through the hallway looking like a stray cat who got in. Yeah, yeah. And um I think at one point Adam Sandler uh, he, he confronts the dude. He's just like, "Oh, yeah. you're a big man without your friends around you." Yeah, huh? so that's like, the interesting thing is like in the hall, the, he has a little run in with Arno and and kind of is like, "Oh, you're not so tough without your people," and kind of like scares him a little bit, and then ends up defending him to his father-in-law because the father-in-law is like, "Oh, it's like having a stranger in the house," and and he's like, "Oh, it's not so bad," you know. So it's interesting, and you could tell that's mm. Howard sort of enjoying. He's in his element here. He's he's the one with the power here. Arno's not. And so he gets mm. to be that he gets to enjoy being magnanimous and saying, oh, he's not so bad because he's in that position of power there. Mm -hmm. And uh, after that, I believe, is the scene where he meets up with uh, with his wife. And... Oh, well, well, but real quick, this is important. So they're watching this uh, basketball game and this establishes. So uh, Kevin Garnett has given the opal back. Right. So Kevin yeah. Garnett did give the even though even though Howard didn't have the ring, Kevin Garnett did give the opal back. Yeah. They're watching the basketball game, and Garnett is doing terrible. Like he is, he's mm -hmm. like sweating. He looks miserable, and so Howie's like, "This is reinforcing, like, oh yeah, that opal really is good luck for him. He really does need it." And Howie's talking about the opal and how much he's going to get at the auction. And we see Arno comes in and sits down and looks kind of pleased, like, "Oh okay." Like Arno just quietly looks like, "Oh okay, you're going to come into a lot of money. Cool, you can pay me back. Good, we can get this straightened out." So and that kind of like so we establish that the opal really, really is, you know. Whether it's just, you know, uh, um, 
like what's the kismet word? Um, or like... uh, what's a what's a sugar pill? A placebo? Whether oh, it's yeah. a placebo effect or, or whatever, it really is good luck for for Kevin uh, for Kevin Garnett, and also that Arno is not a sadist or a monster. He just wants his sure. money back, and he's sure, happy sure. That he can get that straightened out. And so, um, <clears throat> our, uh, so after that, yeah, that's when uh, our, um, no, Arno, <laughs> Adam, yeah, Howard uh, goes to his wife and he says, "Hey, you know, I'm kind of having second thoughts about the divorce. Is it too late? Should we, you know, like that's look? Such I know a I weird, up. It's such a weird, stressful exchange because Adina Menzel is like so unreadable, and right. she's like, she's like laughing at because he's like, <clears throat> he's like, hey, you know, I'm getting rid of her. She's trash. I love you. You're beautiful. Because she's also just demonstrated that she can still fit into her bat mitzvah dress and all her." Uh, yeah. Her sisters and nieces and daughter are like all gathered around her squealing and then they all depart like a flock of birds. And <laughs> he's like, you know, you're so beautiful and I want to give it another shot. And she starts like laughing and she's like, you are the most annoying person in the world and I hate your yeah. fucking face and I hope I never see you again. And she's like, and she says, you can punch me. And she does like a fake out and tries and like yeah. she's gonna punch him. And it's like, it's really, it's like, does she love him and she's just venting or is she like, it seems like she really loves him and she's just kind of venting cause she's mad, but also like, yeah. it seems like maybe she's serious and it's kind of hard to read her. But then yeah, we see them- and, and, but that's the reality, right? Where, and you see him like trying to joke with her and be like, look at my face. Like, does this come on? This is the serious face. And he's just like doing the dopey out of Sandler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and so it's not quite clear how, where she is standing on him right then. But then we see him on the way on driving on the way home and he's like hey i'm gonna stop at the apartment and deal with something and she's like clearly knows like oh you're gonna get rid of the mistress and she looks really pleased and really happy she's like yeah daddy's gonna take care of something so it seems like she is planning on giving him a second chance Mm. and this is this moment to me is where the like sort of perfect poetic arc of the movie really comes into play because all right so howard's wife is giving him a second chance. He's going to, he's going to get, he's going to get his life straightened out. He's going to get the money. He's going to pay his brother-in-law back. His wife is giving him a second chance. Like everything, like things are going to go well for him, but because of how Howard is, he's going to fuck it up. Hmm. And so now, uh, now, uh, when he, when he, when he gets up there, he, cause, uh, he was originally just planning on going up himself. Right. But you know, his son's like, like, Oh, I gotta use the bathroom. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. uh, And so, Dude, but this is the most random thing. They go up there. So, I mean, he he needs to, like, you know, he wants to keep the kid from coming into the, the room, you know, where, where his side he piece thinks, is. He thinks Julia might still be there, right? <clears throat> yeah. So he goes, like, all right, I'm going to ask, uh, you know, a friend of mine to let's use the bathroom. He was uh, on Good Times. And I was like, wait, John Amos? Like, the dude from Good Times? What the hell? And he's like, yeah, that I showed you that. Yeah. A, that's and, such and a it, New York moment. <laughs> Yeah, and it's really him, and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> what's no, but that's such a New York moment. Is like, yeah, I remember, right. like, dude, when I was in college, like, I'd be walking down the street, and, like, I stop it, you know, I stopped across the street, and I'm standing at the corner, and the guy standing next to me is Christopher Noth. Like, you know, Mr. Big from Sex and the City. Or, like, I'm walking in the morning, and then, like, I stop and, like, oh, there's a cute dog. I say hi to the dog, and I realize the lady walking the dog is Claire Danes, right? It's like, yeah. that's just New York, you know? Yeah, he just has, like, two lines where he's just like, hey, man, it's like, hey, can you use the bathroom? No. Like, that's so funny, too, because, yeah, he's like, no, you can't use the bathroom. And then so he goes to this other neighbor who's, like, this 
you know, like look meatloaf looking dude, like looks like meatloaf, the man, not meatloaf, the loaf. Um, <laughs> and, and so, you know, this guy's never talked to before. He's like, Hey, I'm your, you know, I'm your neighbor. I know you don't know me, which like, I'm sorry. Like, first of all, like the kid's not little, he's like maybe 12 or something, right. I guess. Yeah. But still it's like, I would not send my kid into the apartment of some <laughs> random guy. Yeah. I thought maybe you knew him, but I was like, what? <laughs> Yeah, figure something else out, man. Like, uh, yeah. but so the kid goes to poop in this guy's apartment while lying about the fact that he's gonna poop. And <laughs> so, so Howard goes into the apartment and finds that Julia has left already, so he could have let the mm-hmm. kid come in. Yeah, and she and gets, left a note that says, uh, "Have a nice life. Hope you find what you're looking for." Yeah, right. And then the kid, and then he comes back out, and the kid's like, "So who's the hot chick living in the apartment?" Because the guy told him. Yeah, he's like, and is that like, mom? <laughs> so that's the, like, so that's, like, the irony is that he, you know, sent his kid to use the bathroom in somebody else's apartment to keep the kid from finding out about the mistress, and then that guy told him, and he wouldn't have found out if he just let him in the apartment. Yeah, and so, he's like, like a, little, <laughs> a little mini Greek tragedy there, you know? Yeah, he's like, shut up, don't ever say anything about that. <laughs> yeah, just, like, a little mini O. Henry story. So, and it plants a little bit of a seed that maybe, like, Oh, maybe already fucked up because now your kid knows or your kid yeah. suspects at least. And it's also yeah. like, um, I didn't mention this or we didn't talk about it, but the daughter, we see the daughter after the play and she clearly hates her dad. Yes. Like, she doesn't want to <laughs> talk to him. He's trying to talk to her and she's just like being a total jerk to him, which again, you could look I mean, at that yeah, as like, he kind of deserves it. <laughs> well, you could look at that as like, hey, asshole teenager, or you could look at it as like, what she's been through with her dad. Yeah, this specific situation. Possibly knows. I mean, she's like 16. She probably knows that her dad's been like having an affair. So, you know. Yeah, what what, what, what do we have that's so special? Yeah, like. Right, right. Yeah, so like, you know, his kids probably already are like having issues with him. Um, But his wife at least seems like she's going to be giving him another chance. Um, And then then there's the auction. And this is like the big... Yeah. Uh, so, like... yeah, he gets there and they he finds out they appraised it too low. So uh, he 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 asks one of his relatives, uh, Jed Hirsch character, to come in to jack up the price. But he says like, "Hey, but you know, KG's gonna buy it, so it'll all be good anyway. So don't worry about it, you know." Mm-hmm. Um, but then the relative, like they the auction starts and they get the relative gets it up to one ninety. But KG, Wait, it's his father in law. So he yeah, father in law yeah. Asks, he has his father-in-law to jack up the price. And the father-in-law doesn't want to because he's like, well, what if I get stuck having to pay, you know, $200,000 or whatever for this thing that I don't want? Mm. Um, and, and yeah, he, he does he gets into a bidding war with Kevin Garnett and ends up, the father-in-law, you know, wins, which he really didn't want to. And um, yeah. so he's pissed off. Because KG didn't up the bid. Right, because yeah, because because again, Howard is gambling. He's this is a gamble. He's gambling on the idea that KG will bid, and you know, will bid up to two hundred thousand for the gem. Um, but you know, it it works out okay because he's like, okay, well, you've got the opal. I'll pay you back. I'm gonna get the money, and then I'll pay you back. And, you know, again, just shuffling money around. And then he calls KG and says, hey, I've got oh. the opal. You can have it. I'll I'll sell it to you. Yeah. But uh, I think that's wait. Doesn't he get on the phone? <clears throat> he pretends to call KG in front of Arno, doesn't he? Because he was like, right. Because hey. pret- Arno comes in and, and Howard's like pretends to get like, on what the was phone that back there. Yeah. And and Arno takes the phone, 
sees that nobody's on the line and throat punches Howard yeah, right geez, outside I, the auction house. No, the Italian and, dude uh, throat chops him. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, the Italian, the other dude, and then and then they um and then they uh throw him into a fountain because Howard's like chasing Arno down, being like, no, 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 it's gonna work out, it's gonna work out, and the goon throws him into a fountain with the with the opal. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and so Howard then like you know he's soaking wet he's been punched in the throat he's had his nose broken and he goes to the office and just has a breakdown and yeah. Julia comes in and just comforts him and she's crying and shows him that she got the trashiest so fucking 2012 <laughs> tattoo of like Howie and like oh that tequila tequila you know yeah yeah trash and then he starts what? crying he's like you can't even get buried with me now which yeah what, what is, is that is that a thing <laughs> so okay so that is first of all that's a myth that's a it's a wives tale that there is a commonly held belief that you cannot get buried in a Jewish cemetery if you have tattoos that is not true but a lot of uh. people believe it. However, um, my big takeaway from that too was like, okay, you just got a second chance with your wife, and now you're not only gonna like let your mistress like come back, but you're talking about getting buried with her. Right. Like, it's like, what, what like, is uh, what is he on? Yeah. <laughs> right. But, and yeah. that's so it's like, you know, we see how he like things start to turn around, he's gonna get his life on track, and he immediately starts fucking it up again. Yeah. But it, it is weird, like, cause it's after she sends that message saying, like, oh, I hope you find everything you've been looking for, like, you know, evict me and forget me. But then yeah, she comes back to it and be like, No, 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 look, I love you. I got this tattoo in that time. Right. Like, it was what? Like, I mean, because and which I also kinda liked, because like, think about it, like how often do you have a breakup that's that clean where somebody leaves you a little letter saying, I hope you have a nice life, and then sure. it never bothers you again? Did that happen? Has that ever happened to you? It's never happened to me. Uh, but yeah, so she's like, uh, you know, he's like, everything's going wrong. I, I'm fucked up. I'm, I'm in the grind. I'm fucked up. And it wasn't, and you know, he kind of starts going on a nerd. He's like, it wasn't good what you did to me. You shouldn't have done that to me. That was mean. And she's like, no, 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 but I, I totally didn't sleep. Which, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, she, she definitely did, right? The, <laughs> but uh yeah yeah because she says uh she says i'm sorry i hope you're not angry at me i'm really upset too but uh, i'm sorry i really didn't do anything <laughs> yeah they just i love how like realistically messy their fights are you know well, like, like i love you know they, she's they recognizing don't... him in the moment you know that he has to, having to deal with this but she's just like but but like we'll get past that because you're home with me now like let's, let's not think about that anymore yeah 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 it is it is uh it is a, it's a mess, and he's and he's fucking his life up, and then, yeah. um, but uh, KG, oh, and then right as they're oh. right as they're doing that, the the goons. Oh, this is what happens. So like, so before anything else happens, Howard like goes out. Uh, he he goes outside or like, oh, no, he's in he's in the shop. That this creepy little dude. I forgot to say, but like, it's like right after the auction. I think. These two like creepy little gray haired dudes. Oh yeah, the the, the Steven Wright like, looking dudes. Like Tweedledee and Tweedledum on that. Yeah. They're so creepy. These creepy little dudes. And then one of the creepy little dudes like shows up at the door and is like buzzing at the door. And Howie just says to ignore him. And yeah, then, don't let him and then so now we're in like the final stretch of it. Kevin Kevin Garnett calls. He does want the opal. Howard goes back to the pawn guy. Gets the ring back. 
And the pawn guy is like, you know, you said you were going to get this a week ago. It's mine now. And and Howard has to trade his own championship ring for it. But yeah. He gets it back. So it's like, okay, things are going to work out. He gets the ring back. He meets up with Kevin Garnett. And Kevin Garnett confronts him like, hey, you've been fucking with me. You're giving oh, me this is a great on. scene. I love this scene. It is. Uh, and this was where I said I'm, like, really impressed with Kevin Garnett's acting, playing himself. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, he, so, yeah, so yeah, he basically, big heart to heart. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, he go confronts ahead. him and goes like, all right, man, I want you to be real with me. How much did you pay for this? Like, really, how much did you get for this? And, you know, he's giving him the runaround. He's just like, well, you know, I had to do this, and so the work for it would kind of go for this, so it would be misleading if I gave you the number. Da, da, da. He's like, no, 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 don't BS me, man. How much did you pay for this for real? Like, what was the money that you put down? He goes like, uh... All right, uh, $100,000. And he was like, ah, so you wanted to more than double the value that you got and rip off the guys that you got it from. And, uh, and he says, well, no, nah, look, I was supposed to get a million and, like, hey, giving them for what they make over there, like, oh, that would have been great for them, the, the price that I gave them. And, uh, but, you know, Kevin Garnett, like, you know, uh, goes over him and goes like, yeah, but we all know a million is a, is a bunch more and you they could be funded even more. And he's just like, hey, man, like, look, look, you, like, he kind of starts to break down to him like just like his life philosophy was just like hey man look look out how you live your life right if you're just up by one point in the game do you like you know it's like oh no you want to win by 30 points don't you and it's like uh it's like so you do what you have to do to like you know feel the rush of life in you and i do what i have to do to feel the rush of life in me and he's and he like pulls up the website and says let's pull up the stats you know and throws it in kg's face to psych him up and say like look you know you're pushing hard to go against the, all these motherfuckers who doubt you right they're saying that you're not supposed to win this next game they're saying that these are what the statistics are going to be. So you tell me you're not going to go score on those motherfuckers even harder and try to push it in their fucking face? And then he, like, gets to that point where, like, he's psyching him up so much that he starts to get psyched up. It and is. he's just That's like... such a great moment because you can just <laughs> see how he's psychology. Yeah. Like, you can just see his psychology because he's, like... Um, yeah. He, well, he's he, trying to get him. He's trying to sell him the the opals so that like you see like, hey, we're we could be making even more money. And if you are the guy who's like gonna go hard tonight, then we're gonna make more money, more money, more money. You know? Right. Like you can see him. He's like trying to. But it's also I because I think there's a couple things going on there where he's trying to he's trying to psych Kevin Garnett up. He's trying to like justify himself, and he's also stalling because at that moment. Yeah. Arno's goons have started invading the, um, uh, have started invading the, uh, heading up the, uh, stairs to get to where his business is. And right. so he's like texting, he's texting, uh, um, uh, Julia, Julia Fox's character to come on, uh, come into the right. other he's side. He's whole plot where he has like Julia yeah. run out and she pretends she's going to the bathroom. She runs into the next <clears> door <throat> office and they both lean out the window, which stressed me so much. I'm, I'm right. I mentioned, I'm really scared of heights and that stressed me so much, but they lean out the window and he hands over, um, this gigantic, he hands over basically all the cash that he got and she takes a helicopter to Las Vegas, I think. Yeah, I think because she ends up talking to that, uh, that, uh, you know, the, the, the fucking, it looks like an older version of that dude who owns uh, Virgin yeah, Mobile. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So, okay. So Mohegan's son is, oh, no, no, no. Okay. So that makes more sense because I was like, I'm sorry. There's no way she like flew. Even in, like, she did not fly to Las Vegas in a few hours, like, that fast. No, the Mohegan Sun is in uh, Connecticut. It's a casino and resort uh, in Connecticut. Okay. That makes more sense. Okay, so yeah. 
So she takes this huge bag of money and she takes a helicopter, which I don't even remember how we got the helicopter or what happened, but she takes a helicopter to Mohegan Sun in Connecticut and she puts all this money on Kevin Garnett winning and this really specific, this like really specific play of here's how it's going to go. Yeah. Um, but I just love the way he like, just the way you see Adam Sandler in that acting moment, just going like, you tell me you're not going to score on these motherfuckers. You tell me you're not going to go on there. Fuck these people hollering at you. Fuck it. And then he just goes. And then somehow so, that turns into, and I'm going to put a hundred. Yeah. So let's fucking bet on this shit. <laughs> and that was the, yo, this motherfucker just can't stop. <laughs> like yeah. that was that moment. Um, but yeah, he says, uh, the money's all the way to the casino, you know, because you know we're gonna win. Uh, he he gives him the gym to you know like be like, hey, this is the good luck charm. Then um, the the brother, the the stepbrother, and uh, and the, all the goons come in, but but he has them uh, locked off in the uh, um, in the little lockbox before you actually get into the place where the jewels are and you know he's pretending that like the thing's not working because i think the actual uh kajigger thing that was holding it in place so that they could open it fell out and so he just yeah. kind of like saw that happen and just go like hmm <laughs> hey guys you can't get in but look the money's already on its way to the casino but don't worry about you and um yeah, and he says, like, well, call her, call her, fucking call her. And he calls her, and he's like, oh, oh, but she's not picking up. I don't know what to say. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, you know, they figure out basically that he's pulled a fast one on him. But through luck, you know, he gets he gets them stuck in this um, in this airlock. So it's, it's Arno and the two thugs, you know, the Phil and... Uh, Phil and I don't even know what the other one's name is, but Phil is the really bad one. Phil's the really big. Yeah, the dude with the scratchy uh, voice. Yeah, right. Um, and so he, uh, so um, yeah, so they figure out he pulled a fast one, and we see them calling, and all of a sudden Howard realizes like, oh shit, like could still hurt my family because he's got people yeah. on the outside, right? And yeah, there were dudes on the other side of the door that trying to get in, and so he's like, ah, oh, fuck. And right. uh, yeah, so he calls the family and says like, "Hey, does Gasly get out?" Like, and she's like, "What? Why would they call you?" Right. Like, so hey, he calls his wife get and gets her to take the kids out, um, you know, and, and get them out of the house. So then he's like, "Okay, all right, they're stuck. My wife and my kids are are not going to be anywhere that he knows how to get to, because um, he knows that also like Arno is not going to tell them go, you know, go kill my nieces and nephews." Um, yeah. So, but he doesn't know about the the and, Italian guy because these are they're not they don't seem to be like oh you know one is uh, m more like important than the other they're kind of like they seem to be just kind of like working together. Yeah, and, like, you're right yeah. because I think I had sort of assumed the the whole time I think until you mentioned this I sort of assumed Arno was like in charge and the other guys were like his henchmen but uh, and that and the the end you know that Phil was just kind of going rogue but. Um, but yeah, that's a good point that they may that Arno may not actually be in charge per se. So, um, so Howard puts on the basketball game, uh, and now we get the like you know the game and and the and the question of you know is is Howard going to win this bet? Um, Julia successfully gets to Mohegan's son and and places the bet. Yeah, and she's she's hanging out with this uh, with the billionaire dude that we mentioned earlier, kind of like. Oh, well, wow, is she going to, like, portray him, like, and go hang out with this guy? You know what I oh, mean? Oh, I didn't like, even think about that. So so she gets in on this helicopter with, uh, and this guy is a real person with Wayne Diamond. 
He is a like, real seriously? guy. He really looks like that. He's a fashion designer. He really oh looks goodness. like that. That is him. That is that is Wayne Diamond playing himself. So she comes in with Wayne Diamond on the helicopter, and then she ends up after she places the bet, um, hanging out with this much more normal and charming middle aged rich guy who just came. Like you think, like the kind of guy that if you were a twenty something girl wanting a sugar daddy, this is the kind of guy you'd want for your sugar daddy, right? Like he's very <laughs> chill and normal and pleasant, and he's having a nice conversation with her. Yeah. And then Wayne Diamond comes back up. And it's like, hey, it's you. You got to come have a drink with me or whatever. Yeah, kick it in my, uh, you know, the, yeah, the he's, he's top said, suite. And he says he's in the yeah. penthouse. He's got the whole penthouse, you know. And then he walks off, and the the other guy is kind of laughing with Julia about him. He's like, oh, he looks like a cartoon, which is very yeah. accurate. Um, but mm. then Julia sees, like, the scary dudes that work with Arno uh, walking around uh, the, the casino looking for her. And she ducks yeah. down, and she's like, you, and she's like, oh, shit, like she's got an opportunity to escape. So she ends up going up to. Yeah, she goes to the dude to evade uh, to, the, to those the penthouse guys. Yeah. to get away from. Um, and this was like, I, I feel like this could have easily gone in like a creepy direction where he was. Yeah. Like, and I I think a part of why it didn't was because Wayne Diamond was playing himself and he obviously didn't want to portray himself. as. Oh, a for sure. Yeah. Like, <laughs> really, like, you know, you got a girl who looks like Julia Fox going to some like old dude's penthouse like and being alone with him in there like that could easily get dangerous uh, but you know but, but instead he's just like oh like yeah. have order some room service like let's let's have some steaks and like you know so um so she's I mean, like it, yeah he comes off like uh, like oh if she ain't down for it uh, you know i can call him a couple more it's no biggie you know like <laughs> Right. So so she puts on the basketball game. And of course, he thinks she's just into basketball, but she's like, got a safe place to watch the game. And so we're cutting back between her watching the game and uh, and the shop where Howie's watching it. And, you know, there's ups and downs. And at one point, like we get get the tip off. But uh, I think he kind of like doesn't. Oh, what were you going to say? Oh, there's a brief. You know, we see like where. um Garnett's in the locker room kind of fondling the opal and um and the coach is lecturing them all about teamwork and then when it gets back to the game it's like oh he's he's put somebody else in or like he's not putting Kevin out there and that fucks yeah. up the bet potentially uh yeah 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 and he kind of goes like because they're they're kind of like yeah uh, struggling at one point he goes like oh but that's okay you know we'll, we'll be able to get it back because it hasn't all the way lost yet so we could still come back and um it's an interesting tension because, yeah, the music really <laughs> ends up playing a big part here because it's like kind of like driving the tension of like, oh, man, I hope this freaking pays off. It's going to pay off. And then wouldn't you know it, like it actually hits and he ends up Kevin Garnett ends up uh, bringing it home and winning the game. And right. so he's like, hey, look, we've got the bet. We did it. And like the the boys in the, you know, lockbox part are kind of like looking like. Well, shit. All right. <laughs> like, yeah. you know. And then this is this is like that sort of, you know, Greek tragedy moment is so Howard wins. He gets what he wants. Yeah. Arno's satisfied. And he finally he lets them out of the box and immediately Phil, the big goon, yeah. shoots him, shoots him in the Pops face. Pops him in the face. Yeah. And, and it's then just like, Arno, oh. of course, comes up, what are you doing? What are you doing? And Phil shoots Arno right in the head. And um and then starts like just clearing out the shop, just stealing. Yeah, everything. he's like, I'm fucking tired of this shit. <laughs> yeah, and then 
it, and then we we cut to we see Julia. So actually, this was an interesting way it was shot uh, and edited. Was that we see somebody taking all the money, and at first I thought it was Julia. And we're just seeing like a long coat and feet and they're walking and then it pans up and it's um, and it's uh, Wayne Diamond. And for a second, I was like, wait a second is because I couldn't remember what happened exactly at the at the end with her. And I was like, wait a second. Is he like is he taking the money? D did he steal it? Is he is he working with somebody else? Is he working with Phil? And then it realizes he's just carrying it to the car for Julia. So he yeah. gives her the money and she's like, okay, thank you. But he's like, well, let's get something. And she's like, okay, thank you. Bye. And hey, yeah. So Julia ends up with all this money. Dang. Um, which I guess Julia is going to have a nice life. Yeah, now. because she, I, I would not imagine giving that to the wife. <laughs> yeah. So, Here so, you go. I cheated on you. Uh, I, I helped uh, I was cheating on you with the husband. I, I, I was cheating on you. No, your husband was cheating on you with me. Uh, but yeah. here's the money. Like, yeah, that, yeah. that transaction so, isn't happening. <laughs> so Julia gets away with all the money. And, uh, and Howard... Um, then we see Howard at the, the end of it is, you know, Howard's lying on the floor, dying with a yeah. bullet hole in his cheekbone. And it zooms in, zooms in, zooms in on the bleeding bullet hole and then zooms all the way down into his capillaries and into the capillary. And then gradually, gradually, it turns into sort of that cloudy universe. Well, it yeah, it, it the, first the turns stone. into the gym. Like, yeah, yeah, the, the stone. Yeah. And then eventually we get back to the universe. Right. I think at the tail so end. It's, yeah. it's an echo of the beginning. It, you yeah. Know, and. Um, and I thought, you know, he looks happy when he's dying because he died. Like, mm -hmm. it's, it's, I died rich. <laughs> poetic thing because it's like, on the one hand, it's tragic. He dies. Arno dies. You know, this whole generation of kids in this family lost their dads. Yeah. But, you know, he, he's winning the biggest gambler's bet of all time. He's winning not only the bet of the basketball game, but also the bet of the, you know, he bet on the auction. He bet on being able to sell this to Kevin. He bet on Julia being able to get away from the goons. He bet on all this stuff um, and, and won so big. And he's on the biggest high possible. And also he got his wife and his girlfriend back and they haven't figured it <laughs> out yet. Like he's just winning, winning, winning. He's at the possible top. And if he had lived... He would have fucked it all up and everything would have come crashing down. But he's like <laughs> on the biggest possible high and goes out like that. So from Howie's perspective, you know, he kind of wins. He kind of goes out winning. Mm. You know? It's from, yeah, from that narrative perspective. Yeah. Well, shit. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's but it's that's I think it's like but oh well, <laughs> should we oh, come yeah. fucking around? <laughs> like, yeah. You know. Okay. And like the one other the one other thing I had a note on that I forgot to mention was that as Julie is rushing out the like the creepy little gray guy that like Howie sort of bought off with a watch figured out that it was fake it was a fake Rolex oh yeah kind of cost Julia in the hall like this is a fake Rolex and like <laughs> there were so many little things like that that kind of popped in and popped out that I'm not quite sure what they added up to but they they added up to something I guess. It's just like the the characters moving through this person's world, you know what I mean? Because, yeah, he shows up inconsequentially all throughout the movie. Like, he looks like he might be, like, you know, the desperate guy who ends up doing something, you know? But, like, no, he's just kind of an annoyance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, that is Uncut Gems. Um, I, I had a, definitely had a solid time with it. You know, a couple of wonky spots, but... Yeah, I think it's actually it's a good ass joint, and you I, know I enjoyed it, and I would definitely say like I mean if you're hearing this, 
then I think you will have the experience of getting to watch it while knowing what happens to you. Yeah, like, yeah, true. Stressed in that way. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah. But yeah. And uh, someone uh, someone was actually talking to me on the uh, Rap Critic Discord that you could uh, join uh, where we have our movie nights, where we had a movie night with this one, and uh, ended up having like a bit of a discussion afterwards. I was just like, you know, getting out our feelings and how we felt about it. And um, <clears throat> yeah, like it, the person who had came in was... Uh, I had also watched some other Sa- Safety Brothers uh, pictures, the one with uh, Robert Pattinson, apparently, that he thought was really good. Um, and they're talking about, like, yeah, their movies are all about, like, giving you that tenseness and, like, continually stacking it onto it. And, it like, I-, I felt that in the movie in some ways that kind of felt like it was, like, you know, like, contrived artificially. But, like, I feel like it- it's a solid enough ride, like, for most of it where I, like, I can't get too down on it, you know what I'm saying? Because I still, like... It got me to feel that fucking tenseness, you know, so I can't act like it didn't, you know, but uh, yeah. Any any final thoughts for you? No, I mean, I I enjoyed it. I think it was really a treat. You know, Adam Sandler is one of those actors that I can really enjoy as an actor. I don't usually like the stuff he makes himself, but I think he can be put to really good use. And I think that the Safety brothers put him to really good use here. Um, so that concludes the episode. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, as we mentioned at the beginning, go head on over to patreon.com slash rap critic. If you want to uh, help out with the show's expansion and, uh, you know, become a $2 patron and get all the amenities I mentioned earlier, uh, while also helping me to, you know, do fun other stuff. You know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, get with it. Act like you want at patreon.com slash rap critic. Uh, this has been the Review New Podcast. Again, thank you so much for listening. And uh, please leave a like or the, the five button, five star thing on the, uh, the Spotify's or whatever you happen to me to listen to this so that it can help other people know about, you know, what I'm doing over here on the RAP podcast that I have going <laughs> over here. The Rap Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah. Until next time, uh, I'll see you guys on the exclusive episode we're going to be doing of uh, Quentin Tarantino's next movie because we're going through his films when we're not doing these requests. Uh, We're going to be looking at Kill Bill Volume 1. So, yeah, get on over there for that exclusive episode. Give it an act like you want it. And until next time, I'm DJ. I'm Evan. And there's a ribbon that curls to the sea, and it's very long. Diamond, I'm the king of the cup. Never stop, not the diamond does. Do, 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 uh. I'm telling you, go listen to that <laughs> shit as a fucking bomb. <laughs> <laughs>